The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome indeed to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelich. Together we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth on your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled The Will to Heal. When we were in active addiction, sometimes we made bad decisions. <laughs> Isn't that hard? Why do you it's look hard, at me when you say that? It's hard to believe. <laughs> as that is. Our, our minds were fogged and we didn't know it. Our thinking was warped, but it made perfect sense to us. Once we'd been on a recovery journey for a while, we began to get our minds back and our ability to make sound decisions improved. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on moving from bad decisions to wisdom using the spiritual power of will. Yes, so we'll begin today by sharing our experiences of those bad decisions or questionable decisions, let's say, and then we'll move into the solution of using the power of will. After the break, we'll share exactly how we use the power of will to go from those bad questionable decisions to wisdom. So Dan, tell us about those bad decisions in your active addiction or your early recovery. What did that look like? Well, I never made any bad decisions. <laughs> of course not. But I do have a lot of trouble telling the truth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's more the opposite. I made plenty of bad decisions and I have no problem telling the truth, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure which it is anymore. <laughs> but okay, so I suspect that most, if not all, who might be listening, understand about alcohol and decision making aren't a great combination. Yeah. You know, what, what is the famous joke, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, um, Goofball's last words, hey, guys, hold my beer. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> or, 
or hey guys watch this hold my beer (laughs) and the reason that that's a you know a a running gag is because if we put some alcohol in us in me then uh, thinking becomes uh, quite different and it's can be a lot easier to do things that are oh i don't know ill-advised yeah uh, probably not uh, very smart so there's there's two i have to say there are two things that come to mind that's the first one that is you know just doing something stupid but there's this much deeper and broader like what is going on in your life in my life at that time because as i mentioned in the description our minds are fogged my mind was fogged and i didn't know it and it affected everything that i did it's not a matter of um just you know doing stupid stuff well, while literally there was alcohol, you know, in my blood, but just in life in general, when there's no alcohol in my blood, my brain is still, my thinking is still compromised, of course, even yeah. when there's no alcohol in my blood, just from um, years of uh, drinking that I did. So when I think about bad <clears throat> decisions, you know, there's sort of the the simple doing stupid stuff, and then there's the much deeper and broader just the way that I was managing my life at the time. And so I'm sure I can come up with examples for both of those. Right. Uh, let me think on that <laughs> while, while you share. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's kind of two aspects to this. One is the um, alcohol-related decisions. Um, and then the other is just not having a very good process for decision-making. So even when I wasn't drinking. But it basically the way I was thinking about this is that it all adds up to bad decisions for me were unconscious decisions. So they were either decisions that were made when I was drinking. So it's like, Oh, how did I end up in this situation? You know? Um, But then the thing about that is then I didn't have to feel like I had to take responsibility for it because I just ended up in the situation. I didn't have to make a conscious choice. Does that make sense? It's like, let's say I was trying to decide whether to date someone or not. Well, have a few drinks and boom, I'm your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then I didn't have to engage in that conscious process of deciding whether this was an appropriate person for me to be dating or to be in a relationship with. I just was, you know, because I just, I made, uh, I made, well, I wasn't making decisions. I was allowing the decisions to be unconsciously made for me, which at the same time absolved me of responsibility for making the decision, if that makes sense. So they were unconscious decisions. And um, then the other aspect of that, of course, is I made decisions on my own without any spiritual guidance. I didn't have HP, as we like to sometimes call God in the program. I didn't have HP on board. Um, I was solo flying, making my own, making my own decisions or letting them make themselves for me, basically. <laughs> you know? Yes. I thought of a couple of things. So I'm thinking about what's, what's an example of sort of a stupid, you know, doing a stupid thing. And I remember once that um, we had a, a couch that was in the living room. We wanted to put it in the garage. I, I think we were just going to be getting rid of it. And as it turns out, the, the actual easiest path for that was to take it out the front door and then around the 
house to the garage door, that was just going to be a lot easier. And this was one of those pull-out couches. You know how heavy those are with the metal yeah. frame. Oh, yes. Anyway, so uh, we have this pull-out. It's me and some. I wasn't alone. It might have been uh, somebody helping me. I don't remember exactly. But we had a hand truck. You know, and it's like, well, if you get this thing on a hand truck and, and if you're careful, you know, you could manage it. But, you know, if you've had a couple of drinks, then maybe you're not quite managing it. And I love this. Uh, you know, I'm embarrassed to say this is my did I did I tell you about the time I dropped a couch on my car? Okay, that's <laughs> that's this story. Yeah, that's a little it's exaggerated. Again, though. <laughs> like, like I'm Superman. Like I picked it up and dropped it on top of the car. No, what happened was we got to the bottom of the walkway where there was a bump, and that was just enough to send the thing tipping, and it hit the fender of the car and dented it, and it, that dent stayed there for a long time, which brings <laughs> me to my second example that I call not taking care of things. Yes. I I got pretty lax about, you know, maintenance on the house, for example, right. or I suppose with that damage to the car, I mean, you know, it was a dented fender. It still drove or everything. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to go through the hassle of getting it fixed. I don't want to pay insurance that, you know, if I just, it'll cost nothing just to have a dented fender. Right. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff around the house that wasn't, getting done you know things that are painted need to be repainted occasionally for example if you if you own a home and so that's those are um, examples of doing something ill-advised and also a, a more broader just not doing very well keeping yeah. up with responsibilities you know anything that was optional became anything that could be done later got done later you know which was often never yeah yeah. Motherhood has had the same effect on me. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, anything that can be done later gets done later or doesn't get done at all. But that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, you know, one of the very poor decisions I made frequently while in my active drinking was to drive while intoxicated. That wasn't a very good decision. Now, granted, this was quite a long time ago, and we didn't have quite the same awareness about, you know, drinking and driving that we do today, but that's no excuse. We certainly knew we weren't supposed to be doing it. I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing it. But when you are an active daily drinker and you own a car and you need to get to and from the place where you're going to be doing your active drinking, and of course, this was long before Uber or anything like that, you know. So, yeah, that, that was a very poor decision that I made frequently. And thank God, um, nothing bad ever happened. You know, I never got in an accident. I never got a DUI. I got close to getting a DUI once. Um, I was, you know, pulled over and breathalyzed and all that, but um, did not get a DUI. So that was good. But um, <clears throat> that was not good thinking. And all I was thinking was I need to get home and I don't want to leave my car downtown. So I'm, I'm going to drive. You know, there wasn't really any thought process beyond that. I knew I shouldn't be doing it. What were we going to say, Dan? I was saying, you know, that reminded me, what, what do we say in the, in the introduction about uh, our thinking was warped, but it made perfect sense to us yeah, at the time. I totally get Well, of course, you that. always think that you can drive, you know, because when you're drunk, you feel okay to drive. That's the problem. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> the, the disconnect between reality and what I think is a good idea is I always the problem. Way, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I've heard that said by many people. I, I don't know. Don't do it anymore. <laughs> I don't know that I ever said that, but I've certainly heard that a lot. Yeah. You know, I want to share a different perspective. I know we're talking about making bad decisions, and I'm just going to assume that our listeners uh, aren't sitting there thinking, what does that mean? I, I can't imagine. <laughs> what are bad decisions? I don't understand what you're saying. Can you help me? Uh, I think we've all been in that boat, but I just wanted to add a perspective that in a, in a way, and, and, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, spiritual approaches to life and spiritual practices and all that. And it is a spiritual truth that there's really no such thing as a wrong decision. Now, I can argue against that pretty easily in the world of form, like driving my car off a cliff seems like a really bad decision. But, but in actuality, the bad decisions we make usually aren't gigantic grand things like from movies, like driving cars off of cliffs. They're more, you know, should I have done this? Or maybe should I should, should I drive? I'm going to drive anyway. Oh, I got a DUI. And then I got all the consequences of the DUI. And then that made me really think so that the next time something happened, I remembered this time. And the, the point is there's good in everything if I'm willing to look for it. And sometimes there may well be experiences that I need to have. I really can't change my way of being in the world if I don't have some difficult things that come out of it. In fact, things like, um, you know, money is one of the worst things for any active addict or alcoholic because money will, will, insulate me from consequences mm -hmm. and it's consequences that are going to motivate me to change and to heal. And so, um, anything bad that happens, it's that whole silver lining, right? Every cloud yeah. has a silver. It's that way of looking at it. I think that's important to throw out there too, as we embarrass ourselves with some of the stupid stuff. <laughs> that we've done. But, but now that we are uh, joyfully moving away from talking about all the bad decisions we've made, we want to talk about the solution to that. What is the way out of that? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes, and we know that our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, developed a set of 12 spiritual principles that he called the 12 powers. And these are 12 spiritual abilities that we all have, but that we can learn to use more skillfully to further our spiritual growth. And there is a power that represents our ability to choose and to lead and to decide, which is the power of will. And that's what we want to focus on today. But how do we know how we're using our power of will? We know we are using it, but are we using it in a skillful, constructive manner, or are we using it in an unskill, unskillful, unconstructive manner? And what, it, what does a skillful use of will even look like? I mean, how would I know if that's what I was doing? Right. So, Michelle, when you think about the spiritual power of will, um, the ability to choose and decide what comes to mind. Well, as you mentioned, the uh, 
the power of will is defined as the ability to choose, lead, and decide. And as I mentioned in the last segment, for me, bad decisions were unconscious decisions, decisions that I did not consciously make. And so using the power of will, for me, the most important thing is about making conscious, awake choices. This is the beauty of sobriety. You know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be such a great thing at the beginning, but once we begin living a sober life, I think most people find, I certainly found, that the ability to make clear-eyed, clear-headed, conscious choices about things was just such a huge thing in my life, you know, that I suddenly regained this power that it's like, I can choose. I can choose if I want to do this or that. I can choose how I want my life to look. Now, with that comes a lot of responsibility. It's certainly easier to be living life in an unconscious way, having decisions just sort of make themselves, right? But it is a beautiful thing to be able to take back that power to choose, lead, and decide. And so that was a real uh, huge thing for me, the conscious choices rather than accidental choices. And the other aspect of that is, as I also mentioned, getting HP on board. So before I came into sobriety, the decisions that I was making consciously, I was making on my own. You know, Michelle acting solo of my own accord. And uh, I've shared on this program before that the third step was particularly profound and life-changing for me because suddenly I wasn't alone anymore. Suddenly I had this power, essentially the power of the whole universe um, at my disposal and on my side. And I began to, well, first I took the third step of turning my will in my life over to the care of God as I understood God. But then I began to employ the third step in every decision in my life, every single decision, you know, and that was a huge game changer for me, huge. And I'll let you talk and then I'll talk more about that. All right. (laughs) I'm really keying in on something you said about conscious decision making versus just sort of whatever you know, decision-making, not really choosing, but just kind of falling into things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I remember being told early on that it takes time to get your mind back, you know, and and this was, I'm, I'm not sure that I really got what that meant at the time. I mean, I, I can definitely identify times when my mind was very fogged, you know, I'm talking about the first month, first few months of um, sobriety were challenging in that way. But, you know, after maybe a year, I'm pretty sure I had my mind back. Right. And to hear, to hear people have been around 20 plus years saying things like it takes five years to get your mind back. (laughs) I didn't want to hear that, you know, when I'm six months sober when I'm one year or even two years sober. And it, and I didn't, I don't think I believed it because my mind was as clear as it was. And so that was my experience of clarity. It's not like I could turn on, like, give me 30 seconds of an actual clear mind and then turn it back off and then be like, Oh, you're right. right. I wish it was like that all the time. But you know, when I got to that five year 
mark, and I, I think that this, you know, there's nothing magic about that number. I think it's an ongoing, unfolding thing. They were right. I really could look back and see very clearly, like, what was I doing at three years? Wow. Whoa. You know, I'm yeah, sure a lot of nerve. <laughs> and um, so this, uh, this power of will that we have, which gets damaged, you know, in our addiction does come back, but it takes time to come back and it's okay. It's not a problem. It's not a contest. It's a slow unfolding, you know, it's a slow healing uh, journey. And, and even though people, you know, sort of advised me along the way that, you know, and maybe what they were saying is it gets better because that's always been true yeah. uh, over time in my experience. Or, or maybe they were saying, you know, just, uh, you know, keep at it. Don't, don't quit. Um, because if you feel like things are going well now, just hang out even longer and you'll be amazed at what happens. Uh, so my ability to, you know, the power of will and, and the way that I used it definitely improved over time as my mind cleared up over time. Just they naturally go hand in hand, those two things. Yeah. You know, one thing that occurs to me is that uh, everyone's experience of recovery is different, you know, and it depends on how old we are, how long we've been drinking, you know, what other comorbid, so to speak, addictions we might have going on. Um, there are certain trends that we can say this is likely to happen to you in your first few years, yada, yada. But everyone is different. Everyone grows at a different pace and moves at a different pace. It also depends on how actively we work the program. Um, so just, just wanted to say that is that everyone's experience can be a little bit different. But this is definitely an ongoing journey. It's not like we get sober and six months later, it's all good. You know, I, I had other, you know, concurrent addictions that I needed to not, not so much addictions as just behavior patterns that, um, also really required a lot of work on my part in my first three, four five years of sobriety. I was a little bit mortified. If you can be a little bit mortified, <laughs> Let's say I was mortified to find myself, you know, one, two, three years sober and still managing to create an awful lot of drama and havoc in my own life. So that was tough for me, but I had a lot of work to do. I had a lot of things to clear away. Um, so, yes, the alcohol may have been out of my system within the first whatever, a few months or whatever, but there was still a lot of um, not clear thinking uh, not, you know, not a lot of understanding about how, what it meant to live a sober life. I mean, you've probably heard this program is so much more than about quitting drinking or quitting drugs or whatever the active addiction is. It's about learning how to live life sober. And that doesn't happen in six months or a year or even five years. It's an ongoing process. We are in this for the long haul. And I can absolutely echo what you said, that it does get better and better and better. You know, I, I've gone to a lot of meetings that read the promises at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Those promises come true. They may not come true in exactly the same way for everyone, but they do come true in, you know, in various ways and manifestations for all of us. It gets better and better. 
Um, don't quit before the miracle. If you think life is good now, just hang on, stay sober, keep working the program, don't pick up, and life will just get better and better and better. And thank you, God, for that. Yeah, I echo that completely. That's That has absolutely been my experience. It continues year after year after year. It doesn't just stop at yeah. some point. The whole thing, you know, I, I, I believe that if I'm earnest in my recovery, that I don't just sort of walk away from this way of living, right. uh, which, you know, we would call a spiritual way of living or living based on spiritual principles, that it continues to get better even after many years. It just, you know, it just deepens and shifts. And um, I've had that experience. I do feel like, like right now in my life, I am, I feel very good about where I am and I wouldn't want to go back to any other time in my life. Um, You know, I remember hearing this great um, saying or this, this one, you know, we got a a whole ton of clever, clever things that that we think are clever that (laughs) get said in 12 step meetings. And this one was, uh, I used to, I used to think I was a great thinker with a drinking problem only to find out I was a great drinker with a thinking problem because the thinking problem is what is all about. And, you know, maybe the original thinking was, Oh, oh, I'll just drink and then I'll feel okay. That seems like a good idea. You know, that, (laughs) that was a, a thinking problem of its own, but you know, it's a, it's a funny way to get at, um, this idea that our decision-making ability is compromised Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Um, Like, I've always been, just as a person, for whatever reason, I've always been comfortable making decisions. You know, I'm the kind of shopper, and it gets this sort of like the stereotypical man. Yes. Like, I'm going to go buy a tie. (laughs) Oh, I like this one. Done. Yeah. And I've been, you know, very comfortable making decisions. I don't want to dwell on things usually. I mean, I can do the research and all that. But that doesn't mean that I make good decisions, right? Being comfortable making a decision just says nothing about my use of the power of will to make uh, good or wise decisions, if you will. And so that is one thing that's changed over time. And so even if I've kind of... uh, you know, even carried that in the door with me, so to speak, into the recovery halls. Um, Just because I was comfortable making decisions and, you know, I didn't carry a lot of self-doubt like, oh, maybe I should have done this or maybe I should do that, uh, doesn't mean that I'm making good decisions. But over time, um, my ability to make good decisions, because like you said, right at the outset, this this is an issue of thinking. You know, consciousness, decisions come through our mind and certainly hopefully influenced by the spirit. But let's hold on to that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. We hope that you'll please stay with us. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. We are glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Jelinch. We'll resume our discussion in just a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment, and be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing first what bad decisions or bad decision-making, unconscious decision-making looked like in our active using slash early recovery. And then we moved into talking about the 12 powers and the power of will, that ability to lead and decide and choose. And so now, Dan, bring it all together for us. How did you use that power of will to move from the poor decision-making, let's say, into a life led by wisdom. What's coming to mind, and I and just did a, a, at least part of until COVID hit, and I kind of fell away, from, but I was doing an online course through Richard Rohr's organization oh, yes. uh, with a wonderful teacher, and it was called The Wisdom Way, okay. The Wisdom Way way. And it was, it was basically at, at, at first it was sort of a, an overview of wisdom traditions, mm. you know, found in the, in the Christian religion, but um, also just found in the world in general, because they, they all have a lot in common, regardless of um, the tradition that they're part of, right? So um, there are Christian mystics uh, Franciscans are some. Richard Rohr uh, would be one of them. I, ironically, the ones I keep running into are Catholic, and I, I'm not Catholic, and I don't know a lot about the Catholic Church, but I wouldn't have connected mysticism with the Catholic Church, but there's a very strong... Very strong, yes. Oh, and it goes all the way back. It's like mm-hmm. a side, it's like an alternative orthodoxy, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Rohr called it. Yeah. Um, anyway, and, and so, you know, in the, in the, in the Muslim faith, there are Sufis, they're they're doing that same kind of thing in 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 the uh, in the Jewish faith. Uh, Kabbalah is the mystical branch, if you will, of that. So there's always been the sort of wisdom way path yes. forward. And so when when I think about that question, you know how how did I use will to move from bad decisions to wisdom? The one of the first things is that I've made a decision. Like you talked about step three, I made a decision to turn our will in our life. I did that too. And what that meant to me was that I was going to do the best I could to live a, you know, from within, if you Mm -hmm. will, it's described in so many ways. I've, I've heard it called living from the inside out, which Mm -hmm. I find helpful uh, living a spirit-led life. Yes, I find that helpful. I've often called it living a God-centered life, because in my, um, you know, in my world, that is a good descriptor right. of um, just making a life out of turning within and and sort of considering everything, even if it's ever so briefly. You know, I don't have to. 
I don't have to go for a, a you know on a spirit quest for three days in the desert every time I want to make a decision, right? I can, I can literally um, lead a spirit-centered life, and you wouldn't even know that's what I'm doing. Right. But internally, I am turning mm -hmm. within, acknowledging the presence of the spirit, um, acknowledging that I'm allowing, uh, you know, any and all ideas and and wisdom and mm -hmm. inventions or creativity or whatever you know, to flow out of that and then just moving forward in faith that that is exactly what's happening. And so uh, the way I used will to move from bad decisions to wisdom was the good decision to lead uh, a God-centered life as I define it, right? That's, we each get to do that. Just like you said, to yes. turn our will and our life over to the care of God as uh, we understand God, I put right. that after everything that I say. Yeah. This is all about, you know, a spirit-led life as you understand the spirit to be. And That's I can so share with you how I experience it, and maybe that will help you. Or maybe mm -hmm. I'm not that helpful, and you need to learn some way else um, what that means for you. But it's deeply personal. I, You know, it's not a lot of, like, right and wrong um, going on around it, but right. making the decision to live that way for better or worse, you know, sometimes doing it quote well, and maybe sometimes doing it not so well, yeah. but just generally trying to stay out of that. You know, I'm not giving mm -hmm. myself a grade every day, but that has, was sort of the, the groundwork for me, partly because, um, when I got sober, the sort of dawning, reality of what was actually going on in my life and how far down the hole I had gone scared me a lot. And so I thought, I do not want to go back to that. And these people are saying that this is a way not to go back. I'm, I'm all in, all in. And yeah. I went all in, yeah. in my own way. Yes. Well, I love that you brought up the mystical traditions of, um, or the mystical branches, the mystical path of some of the world's large religions, because mystical really just means a direct connection with God. And so uh, unity is absolutely a mystical path. Um, and basically what mystical means for me is having that conscious contact with the God of my understanding as frequently as possible. And like you said, I love your description, a spirit-led life, uh, a God-centered life, meaning whenever and always, you know, as much as possible, whenever I remember, whenever I'm on my A-game, living life in partnership with spirit. So I mentioned previously making decisions on my own. What should I do? Let me think myself out of this problem or think myself into a solution using my human uh, intellect. Now, as much as possible, I, I, you know, whenever I have to make a decision or something, I turn it over to God. I seek that spiritual guidance. I seek it's, it's, you could say it's rather than acting out of my human intellect, it's acting out of my higher self, that divinity in me, that part of me, which, um, 
which is connected to the all, which has access to divine mind, to all intelligence, all understanding, all wisdom. So rather than making decisions from a small place, it's making a decision from a large place, from, from my highest self. And that to me is a spirit led life. And that has just absolutely changed my life. Um, and, you know, I've developed my own process of what that looks like. You know, uh, it doesn't mean that I don't have any part in decisions. My, my human part of the deal or part of the partnership, so to speak, is that, you know, I need to do the footwork, as we like to call it in the program. If there's a decision to be made, I do my research. I consider all the options. I gather information. I get other people's opinions that I trust. Um, I spend time in prayer and meditation. I seek to discern the will of God. Uh, for me, the will of God means what is always for my highest and best good, as well as everyone around me. What decision will be best and highest for all that I come into contact with and for my life and my family's life, etc.? Um, and then, you know, sometimes I get a real clear nudging one way or another. Sometimes I don't. And I have to just make a choice. So the other piece of that for me is trusting that if I have done the footwork and I have done the work, I've done step three, I've turned it over to God, I've sought that higher guidance, then whatever I end up doing will be the right choice, will be for my best and highest good. So then the other piece of that is letting go letting go of the outcome and trusting, trusting that I've done my process, that I've done my due diligence, so to speak, and that I'm going to be guided to the right answer. And sometimes it's very quick and sometimes it takes a really long time to get the answers. But the answers that come when I use that process are always infinitely better than anything Michelle could come up with on the Michelle plan um, of my own accord without seeking to co-create with spirit. It's always, I mean, infinitely things I could never come up with um, are what end up unfolding when I use that process. You know, I'm reminded of that saying, let go and let God, yes. because what you just described, it sounds to me like you're putting that yeah. idea, that concept or that principle into practice. Right. And I also love that, um, you know, even though that particular saying, let go and let God, uses the word God, that doesn't mean that I have to, that I have to use the word God or that right. I have to carry a belief in anything that I would call God. Because also, right. as you pointed out, this can be seen as my higher self mm -hmm. versus my not higher, you know, my sort of my mundane or human self, my uppercase S self, yeah. you know, is one way to look at it. Or right. we use the word mind, lowercase m, yes. mind versus, you know, God mind, we call it in unity. Right. Or, or divine mind, yeah. Yeah, divine mind is another one. Some people don't like the word God, so we might use the word divine. Mm -hmm. Or you don't even have to like that. It doesn't matter. Right. That's what's beautiful about this is that somebody who considers themselves uh, absolutely non-religious, this can still work yeah. um, because the principle is there and it really doesn't matter. I've observed and found what particular uh, vocabulary yeah. I use around it. You know, Buddhism is a wonderful spiritual path and it's non-theist. There's right. no God in Buddhism. 
You know, right. they talk about your Buddha nature, which is the same thing as your my higher self, yeah. which is in unity, we might say the Christ within, or, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. So that spiritual reality of who I am, that thing, yeah. you know, we got lots of ways of, of pointing at it. But any of those, in my experience, getting at any of that stuff. So I talked about, you know, making the decision to lead a spirit-led life. As I figured out what that even means, I didn't yeah. even know what that meant. I still right. don't. Um, that it, I, what I have learned in order to do that, I have to slow down. Yes. I have to slow down. I'd mentioned that I'm good at making decisions, which means I'm comfortable making decisions and I can make decisions quickly, but maybe that's not what I always want to be doing. Right. Maybe I'm impatient and that's part of it. Maybe I'm uncomfortable, so I want to make a decision so it can be done so I can stop being uncomfortable. And the right. question, that might not be serving my highest good, like you said. And what I have found is that if I'm willing to simply slow down, just in general, or, or have that choice, you know, have that ability. I'm not saying slower is always better, but being able to choose to slow down when that feels right um, has turned out to be very important. So when we ask, you know, how do we use, how have I used the power of will to move from bad decisions to what we might call a wisdom way of living, slowing down has been a critical part of it. Being, being willing to let a question be unanswered, being mm, willing yes. to, to sit and realize, you know, I really don't know what yep. this is or what this means or i don't know uh how i feel about this or about that and just let mm -hmm. it let it be open so yeah. slowing down the to me a primary skill that i had to develop is slowing down yes absolutely you mentioned the saying let go and let god and um it's a wonderful saying i think it sometimes gets misconstrued a little bit to mean something like i don't have to do it because god's going to do it for me or i don't have to choose or i don't have to um be proactive on my own behalf i don't have to do anything really i can just sit back because god's going to do it all for me and i think that that's not probably the highest meaning of that saying yeah. <laughs> to me it means something more like i'm going to let go of my human ego need intellectual need to figure things out and i'm going to allow spirit to work in partnership with me i'm going to use my higher self i'm going to access divine mind i'm going to allow the part of me that knows in a way that's beyond intellectual knowing I'm going to allow that part of me to lead um, and so it's more of a partnership than letting God run your life so to speak um, for me it's a partnership we would talk about co-creating with spirit um, and so that's a really important distinction to me because letting go and letting God does not mean I sit back and wait for God to fix my life um, it means I get into partnership with God. I seek the highest understanding. I seek God's will in all things. Um, I don't just go running, charging forward, making decisions without taking the time, like you mentioned, slowing down, taking the time to pray, to meditate, to get quiet, to whatever a person's own, you know, personal uh, way of doing it is, but that taking that time to discern 
what is the will of God? And again, to me, the will of God means what will be for my highest and best and everyone around me's highest and best. Um, and I think your point is so important. This is our spiritual practice. You know, it's the 11th step in the 12 steps and it is the fourth, am I right? Fourth unity principle is that, you know, we, we, we have that conscious contact with the God of our understanding through a regular practice of prayer and meditation. And that can look a lot of different ways. And it doesn't matter. I don't have a judgment about that as long as people are doing it in some way, you know, you got to have that time to, like you said, slow down, slow down, get out of my human intellect and allow that higher wisdom to come to me, to flow through me, allow myself to live from that place so that's why it's a practice because it's not like you do it once and you discern the will of god and you're done you know it's for me it's a daily practice of taking the time to get out of my human self and open myself up to that higher wisdom that higher guidance so that i'm not just making individual decisions from that place but i'm really living from that place as much as possible on a daily basis yeah, I, I, what I'm hearing is you're really getting at the a core question is how do I know what's mine to do and what uh -huh. is, you know, and what should I quote, let go and let God. And I'm reminded of, of, of a, a West African proverb, when you pray, move your feet. Yes. There's both. There's my part and there's letting go part. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this now and and you know how to uh, distinguish in all cases what is uh, yours to do from what is God's, please tell me, because <laughs> I don't know. My answer is practice, yes, right? Just practice. Everything, everything is practice. Nothing is a performance. Um, everything is just one foot in front of the other, doing the best that I can mm -hmm. in that moment, trusting that all will turn out for the the highest and best for all involved is how I've heard that uh, described, which includes me, of course, but also includes everybody, right? It's not a selfish thing. Right. It's what is going to be the best for us, you know, everyone who's involved in this. Right. And my experience is that I just have to keep practicing and even letting go of the idea that, I'm going to figure this out and mm -hmm. then I'm going to know how it works and then I'm going to do it every time. I really had to let go of that idea because at least in, in my personal experience, that's not how it works, right. right? We have this, this way of thinking that says God is a mystery. You know, the divine is a mystery. And I understand that that's not something I go around and say a lot, but I totally get that because there's this element of un knowing that's an essential part of it because the moment I think that I get it and that I can define it and I've got it wrapped up in a, in a box with a bow on it is why guaranteed I'm lost yeah. in that moment, that that is a sure sign that I have, uh, that I'm off the path and that I need to take some quiet time. If I'm not sure, that's a pretty good sign that I am open 
and mm-hmm. on the path, mm-hmm. willing to change and, you know, willing to make mistakes and willing to think I'm letting go and letting God win. And in actuality, I'm trying to control a situation. Right. You know, I'm perfectly capable of that um, as well. And so, man, this just, how do we use will? We want to get away from that sort of bad decision way of living yeah. in wisdom. Just one day at a time, one okay. foot in front of the other. Think of it as practice. There's no goal. We're not trying to achieve anything in yeah. this. We're just sort of showing up and staying open and uh, just let let be whatever is. Yeah, and spirit has a timing all of its own, right? And it's not the same as human timing. You know, I'm thinking of my call to ministry and how it was a slow dawning on me. I had lost the job I had. I was praying daily to discern what God's will for me was. And it took some real time. Some things, a number of things had to fall in place. One of them was that Unity Institute made the decision to take their seminary program entirely online. And I, my sort of call to ministry was contingent upon that happening because I was not going to be able to move to Missouri. And so as I was in this process, maybe a two-year process of discerning what was mine to do, a number of things had to fall into place, you know. Uh, Losing my job was the first step towards discerning, you know. So something that I thought was bad ended up being the beginning of a whole new journey. But then you didn't jump up and say, yay, I lost my job. Yay, I lost my job. But, you know, it was it was a real process. And then they made that decision to take the seminary program online and and everything fell into place. So that's sometimes the way it happens for me. You know, we also have a saying we have so many sayings uh, more will be revealed. So if you're in, if you're engaged in that process of discernment and decision making and the way is still not clear, hold on, more will be revealed. You know, the universe is an incredibly complex, intricate place and all and it's got a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving parts, you know, and there's there's uh, things that are needing to be uh, that need to to accommodate to get into place. You know, so many different things that are happening for the thing that is yours to do to be um, to be revealed to you. So more will be revealed. Just hold on and keep your eyes and ears open and watch what spirit is doing in your life. Wise words. And let's change gears now, believe it or not, and turn our attention to a question or a comment from our listener. So here's a question that often comes up, and we could have just titled this episode. Yeah. After the statement form of this question, because this is what we've been talking about. You know, sometimes, it, and, and this is what comes up. Sometimes I feel like I don't know what to do. How can I do better at deciding what to do? Yeah. And uh, so if you were, so we've kind of been talking about this for like yeah. a half hour, but yeah. how would you summarize it in like one minute? Okay. So I'll summarize my process. My process is, um, First of all, to pray, to turn over the decision and the outcome and every aspect of it to the higher mind, to God, to spirit. Then there's often a lot of footwork that needs to be done on my part, you know, research, information, gathering, talking to people I trust, talking to a sponsor, a counselor, a minister, um, sort of the reconnaissance uh, phase of the process. 
And then there is that time of um, praying and seeking guidance, meditation, you know, spending time in the silence so that I'm opening myself up to receive the wisdom from God. And then making a choice. And sometimes the choice gets made for me. Sometimes it becomes the only choice. There's a number of ways that can happen. And then letting go and trusting that the universe is conspiring for my good and all is unfolding in divine order. That's what's been working for me for 25 years. So, Yeah. You know, what comes to mind for me is just this idea of more being and less doing. Uh, I, I found that that's been important. And, and what I mean there is sort of cultivate a place of silence within myself that I can return to, you know, a.k.a. a meditation practice. And when I when I use that phrase, that concept, let go and let God, that's kind of what I mean. Like, let me stop trying to figure this out and, and return to yeah. that place of silence and just see what happens. Now, that's kind of on the spiritual side. But as you pointed out, there's some practical things, too. Um have a relationship with a trusted advisor. That might be a 12-step sponsor. It might be a, a priest or, a, you know, who knows, your Aunt Tilly. Only yeah. you know. And the same with uh, a community, a trusted community. Yes. Yes. All of these important steps. Well, as always, we like to offer you an affirmation. We love affirmations in unity that can help you solidify these ideas and use throughout the next week as you try some of these ideas on for size. So our affirmation today is, I use my power of will to make decisions that are for my highest good. Pretty short, sweet, and to the point, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I love the word co-create. That's not in there, but it's coming oh, yes. to mind because that's how I've always thought about that. I, I use my power of will to make decisions that are for my highest good, a.k.a. co-creating with God. I have yes. heard that described as. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, or else we like to think of it that way. We do. If that's not true, please don't tell us. <laughs> and, and we are so grateful that, that you have. And we, we really hope that you found something in all of our slavering that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery path. Thank you, Michelle, for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect us, connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. 
I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.